Hello and welcome, dreamers, to a very special episode of Blossom. Uh, seriously, though, uh, welcome to the first of a new series that I like to call our Deep Dives. Uh, in the main podcast and the game of the year, we focus on one particular year, um, but that means that we can't really go into the entirety of something like a console or a franchise. That's where this show comes in. Each episode will be a more involved look into something from the golden age of gaming, mostly from the perspective of our, of our own possibly failing memories. So who will be talking at you about all of this? Well, I don't think there's anyone better than my Game of the Year compatriots, my fellow gaming enthusiasts and friends. It's Steve and Rich. How are you both? Hello. Good, thank you. Yeah, hi. I'm good too. Good. Good how to are have you? you both. I'm all right. Yeah, how are you? <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> Nobody ever asks the host. I don't no, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> there you go. Um... So each time, uh, one of us, uh, one of the three of us will pick a console or a franchise that we want to explore. Um, But in this first episode, uh, since it's going to be going out on the 14th of October 2009, I figured there was really only one subject that we could speak about, uh, the Sega Dreamcast. So this date marks the 20th anniversary of the console's launch in the UK and EU. And as you'll all likely know, uh, it's a console that's very dear to me personally, especially considering that I'm writing a book about it, created a website and a podcast uh, about the time that it was active on the gaming scene. Um, So yeah, I I quite like it. Um, Of course, we also have another big Dreamcast fan among the trio in the form of Rich, Um, though the less we say about the Dreamcast you throw away, the better. Um, (laughs) And you're wearing a Dreamcast t-shirt there, uh, Rich, as well. I'm trying to get my, uh, trying to earn some credit again with uh, the listeners, you know. Say, I'm I'm legit. I wear t-shirts. I'm a fan. You're definitely (laughs) legit. It doesn't mean uh, I don't care. Exactly. And he, he showed me a picture of his gaming shelves a little bit earlier and his Dreamcast wasn't there. And I asked him where it was and he said under his TV, which was the right answer. <laughs> so good. that's good. good. So you've actually been playing it, which is uh, which is awesome. Yeah. What was the last game you played on it? Just to put you on the spot. Um, I think that would be Le Mans 24 Hour. Nice. Yeah. Good game. Yeah, very good game. Good game. Um, and Steve, I know that you're not quite as much of a fan as the two of us, but you have played Dreamcast. I think you've played mine for sure. I know that. Yeah, uh, I've played a lot of Dreamcast. Uh, I am a Dreamcast fan. Uh, mm. I'm far from being a Dreamcast super fan, but I think that's largely down to just having never owned one um, mm. and not really having the means at the time to own one. Uh, but I did play a heck of a lot of yours, and yeah, it yeah. was a great. It was a great console. Yeah. I think to be fair, you probably represent quite a lot of people. There were a lot of people who didn't buy the Dreamcast, but I suppose, still appreciate yeah. it. So yeah, I suppose you're right. Yeah. So there's that. Um, so usually we have a bit of a quiz at the end of the main podcast, um, but I thought for this one, I'm going to bring it forward um, half because I don't want you kind of like talking about all the stuff that's going to crop up in the quiz later and kind of ruining the answers to the question. Um, but also, um, I think it might just be nice to. Yeah, just start with a quiz for a change. Mix it up. Mix it up a bit. Hmm. Does that sound okay? Yeah. Yeah, sounds great. Awesome. Um, Okay, so there's three rounds this quiz, and obviously I'll I'll be pitting you against each other. Um, In round one, I'm going to give Steve a bit of a a head start, I suppose, by letting him answer first, Mm -hmm. um, because Rich possibly knows more answers (laughs) than Steve might. Almost Uh, certainly knows more. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so yes, so three rounds, and the first round of the Dreamcast quiz is um, that I want you to name a UK launch title, um, and what will happen is Steve will start, 
name a UK launch title, then Rich, and then basically whoever can't name one uh, will be the loser of that round. So just, there are 18 in total. Mm. Um, so um, in fact, I'll just bring them up in front of me. You'll hear me clicking my mouse as I check where the hell they've gone. Uh, there they are. Um, so, yeah, Steve, can mm-hmm. you name a UK Dreamcast launch title? I think so. I think Sonic Adventure was a UK launch title. You'd be correct. That Yay. is right. Excellent. That's that's fine. Rich, you're next. Can you name another one? I'm going to go for a Sega Rally 2. Sega Rally 2. Also correct. Fantastic. Steve, mm-hmm. that seems to be your possible only answer from, from the way yeah, you... Yeah, that's why I went for <laughs> it. Well, I, I, I do know that the Dreamcast came out later here, right? So mm-hmm. there were some that were not launch titles in other territories that may have been launch titles here, such yeah. as... Crazy Taxi? Ooh, oh, no. See, I've lost already. Lost already. Okay. Um, was that not yeah. a nice title? Sorry, Steve. No, it wasn't. It didn't come out until, and I'm just checking in my little thing here. You can hear me January, clicking away. It was actually February, uh, the oh. 25th of February 2000 that it came out. So quite a Darn. while after the launch, but there you go. Um, Rich, do you think you can? do you think you have the knowledge to name all the rest of them? I try to remember. Oh, I remember there was Buggy Heat. Yeah, that's one. Blue Stinger. Mm-hmm. Um, the classic uh, Pen Pen Trislum. Yeah. Um. Oh crap. Um. Oh, Toy Commander. Yeah, that's one. Yeah. Oh, it's all blank now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, You're doing really well. I know I am. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> oh, uh, one one of them. There's a couple of fighting games in there. If that's helpful. I know Soul, Soul Calibur was the US. Of course, Power Stone. Of course it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, of course, Virtua Fighter 3 TB. Indeed, yes. Team Battle, to be specific. Team uh, Battle, yeah. Oh, no. Crap. Um, it was only 20 years ago. Come on, Rich. <laughs> only 20 years, yeah. <laughs> I need to try and get my mind back into where I was in Electronics Boutique and just try and remember the shelves, what was on the shelves. Um, ready to Rumble Boxing, of course. Um, Correct, yes. You'll kick yourself for one of them. I know it's I'm going to really kick myself. Do you want me to go through the list? Throw one more cu- clue at me. Clue for the one um, I'm going to kick myself for. Keep it vague. Wh- okay, wh- um, you've been watching a lot of this sport today. Oh, that'll be a Monochrome Grand Prix simulator, won't it? Correct, ah, yes. yes. There you go. Um, oh, I've gone blank. Come blank. Do you want me to go? I'll go down the list. Yeah. I think you've 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 done enough. You've, yeah, you've beat Steve well. already. So, um, speed so devils. I'll, <laughs> so I'll go down enough better order. Uh, Blue Stinger, Buggy Heat, Dynamite Cop, uh, Hydro Thunder, Incoming, um, Millennium Soldier Expendable or just Expendable. I think it was here. Um, pen Pen. Um, it was just Pen Pen here rather than Pen Pen Tri Tricelon Tricelon. Yeah, um, Power Stone. Yep. Uh, Racing Simulation Monaco Grand Prix, uh, Power. Uh, sorry, Ready. Or is it Power Stone twice? Um, Ready to Rumble Boxing, Sega Rally Championship Two, Sonic Adventure, Speed Devils, uh, Tokyo Highway Challenge, Toy Commander, Trick Style, UEFA Striker, and Virtua Fighter Three TB. Yeah. So that's... actually, it's quite quite a lot of games there. Mm. Those few now are obvious. Yeah, I remember. I mean, I actually owned a few of those as well. Not on launch, oh, really? but I did get them in the following months. Yeah, I think oh, beyond well. if I'd have remembered Power Stone, I could have possibly got that one. But there's not a chance I'd have known any of yeah. those other games. 
<laughs> yeah, me and you played a lot we of Power Stone, as I recall. So, I, I totally yeah. forgot Hydro Thunder was a launch title. Oh my god. Yeah. Because I know I got it that Christmas, but I don't. Yeah, I forgot it was out in October. Mm. Wow. And oddly, it's still a game that people really like today, and it's, it's not one that you'd. Yeah, it's a great game. Um, it's the sequel that's out on the Xbox 360, yeah. isn't it? Is that right? Yeah. It really yeah. pees me off that it doesn't support VGA because I can't use it with my uh, HD cable. Damn. <laughs> it's really annoying. Damn. But that's a, I mean, that's a good lineup. Even today, I think that would be a fairly decent lineup. And considering that Japan had four games when it launched. Yikes. Um, I one think was 18. Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> Godzilla Generations being one of them. That was a, an awful game. Mm. Um, and they had July, which I've never played, but that's all in Japanese, I think. So I don't think I'd get very far. So there you go. Uh, Rich, you've won the first round. So Steve, you need to try and make it up in round two. Uh I'm definitely not going to, but go ahead. This one's a little bit, probably a little bit more stacked in. Well, it's not going to be so easy for Rich, I don't think. Um, I'm stealing something from the Switch Island, which the Switch Island in turn stole from IGN UK. Um, And it's the IMDB keywords. Um, Bollocks. (laughs) so for steve who may not know this rich knows it all too well um imdb have a list of keywords for the plot films and games um which some of some of which are quite random um so just it's a way of searching for films i guess by typing in a keyword so i've gone through and i've found a few dreamcast games and i've looked at their keywords and i'm going to read um 10 keywords um and you have to guess you get a guess for each keyword if you want to guess of mm-hmm. course um if you guess on the first keyword you'll get 10 points um if you guess on the last keyword you'll get one point um there's only three here so the likelihood is it shouldn't take too long but let's let's see okay do you understand do you understand that steve is that all clear yeah yeah pretty much okay are, are we you're asking me first uh, you either of you can come in on this. Okay, sure. um, just as an example, if I was to say overboard, uh, oh, overboard, hoverboard, my, my autocorrect is corrected there. If I was to say hoverboard, you'd be right in guessing trick style. Um, so th- those are the kind of keywords you might see. Uh, in fact, that was the only keyword for trick style when I checked it, Christ. so I couldn't use trick style. <laughs> <laughs> so um, are we ready? Ready. Mm-hmm. So the first one, the first keyword is single player. And everyone has a guess at the first one. <laughs> no. No. The second keyword is police officer. Uh, not going to be dynamite cop, is it? No. It's not, no. Um, third keyword, funhouse. Nothing for me. Fourth keyword, best-selling video game. Fifth nope. key, fifth keyword, wind. That'd be Sonic Adventure, wouldn't it? Correct. Yeah, it is Sonic oh, Adventure. Police officer. Gusty, gusty, gusty Gardens, what's called? Yeah, something like that. The police officer was in the beginning, wasn't it? There was this yeah. cutscene where um, Chaos was uh, being shot oh, at right. by the police. So that's a keyword because there was a police officer in it. Yes. I exactly. see. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I remember him now. I remember. Trixie. Yes. Um, so you would get for that. That was the fifth keyword that you. So you get five points for that. Um, I, I'm not taking a note of this, but I don't think it matters. Um, just to go, just to go down the whole list of keywords, um, you'll see it gets easier. So there was single player, police officer, funhouse, which I'm actually not sure what relates to actually. Funhouse well, that doesn't immediately ring a bell for Sonic Adventure. Um, best-selling video game, Wind, Water, 
Ring, Casino, Airplane, and the last one was Hedgehog. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. I see. Probably have guessed it by then. Can I just uh, um, correct myself real quick? Actually, I said Augusty Gardens. That's actually from Super Mario Galaxy. Windy <laughs> oh, Valley is my Sonic Adventure. Windy Valley, that was it. <laughs> so yeah, slightly wrong there. So been playing too much Nintendo. I have. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are we ready for the second one? Mm-hmm. I think so. Okay. Uh, first keyword: fighting. Power Stone. No. Oh. Second keyword, demon. Soul Calibur? Correct. Oh, stole it Stole it right from my mouth. I was just about to say it. I'm finally oh. doing well at this game. <laughs> so that was eight points for you there. Um, and that Not means bad. you're up to 13, which means that Steve can't win. Um, now. <laughs> but let's go to the third one anyway and just see, see what we can do. Um, okay, we ready for the last one? Mm-hmm. Ready? Might be a bit more difficult for you, but we'll see. Um, first keyword: profanity. Next one: vampire. Immortal. Is this? Uh, oh, this is um, sweary immortal vampire two, right? <laughs> oh, so close! Oh. So close! No. Um, Fourth keyword, damnation. Shadow Man, is it? No, it's not Shadow Man. Uh, The next one is Second Part. Second Part. Mm -mm. Bloody Violence. Mm -mm. No. Murder. Nope. (laughs) Nope, I'm stumping you with this one, aren't Mm -hmm. I? Uh, revenge it's the next one nope no guesses oh, nope no rich no guesses from you blue stinger no no um the next one might help reaver oh legacy of kane oh, song yeah 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 there you go and the last one was legacy of kane so <laughs> you would have got oh, was, i would never go up crazy taxi there <laughs> so there we go um Rich wins the second round, which means Rich has won. Good job, Rich. Um, because there's only three rounds. <laughs> um, but let's do the third round anyway. Commiserations. Yeah. Early commiserations, Steve. Um, but let's uh, let's do the third round sure. anyway. So, uh, this is just going to be a really simple one, which is guess how many units sold. Um, so, can you guess the number of Dreamcast units sold worldwide to the nearest million? Uh, Steve, should we go with you first? Um, I'm going to go with 9 million. 9 million. Rich, what would you go with nearest million? Oh, damn. I thought... Oh, sucks, I actually thought a very similar number. So I'm going to say... I'll say... Um, oh, bugger. I think, I think it was 9 million. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I don't want to be that guy who just says the same answer just to be safe. You know. um, I mean, you've won already. I'm so going to say 11. I'm going to say 11. 11 million. Um, your first instinct was right. It sold 9.13 million. Did it million. really? My word. I didn't yeah, want to take the same so answer. Steve, you, <laughs> looks, you got one. It looks lazy. So, so that was that was 100 points for that one, right? Uh, yeah. uh, 100 nine, million points. Wow. 19 <laughs> points. <laughs> Snatched it off your wrist. Um, yeah, at the last minute. Um, yeah, so fun fact, um, 
it actually sold slightly less than the Sega Saturn, which sold 9.26 million. Yeah, so there you go. Um, And that's the quiz. Um, Sorry about that, Steve. No, no, it's fine. (laughs) I I knew that Rich was going to know far more than me, so that's fine. That played out pretty much exactly (laughs) as I expected it to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And well done, Rich. You you. obviously kind of know your stuff. (laughs) Kind of. (laughs) Stressing, kind of. Cool. Okay, so let's move on. And I mean, this is pretty freeform. Um, so I guess the the thing I probably want to start with, since it's you know it's going to be the fourteenth of October, it's the date uh, that it launched in the UK um, in nineteen ninety nine. Um, I have to get that right because I'm writing a book on it. So any facts <laughs> that I get wrong here, everybody's automatically going to how how me about. Fourteenth um, of October nineteen ninety nine. Rich, did you get one on launch day? I did indeed, yeah. I actually had it pre-ordered for the original date of uh, September 23rd. And uh, uh, yeah. obviously then had to wait an extra three back. weeks, which broke my heart. Ouch. Oh, so. sad. And what did you get at launch? What games did you get with the console? Um, yeah, I just got uh, Sonic Adventure and Sega Rally 2. So that's two pretty good games to start yeah. with. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's really good. What, what was it? Did you go and pick it up yourself? Uh, this this is obviously well before the days of Amazon delivering directly to your door. <laughs> um, was this something you went to game to pick up, or was it? What was it back then? Was it electronics boutique? boutique? It was indeed. Yeah, yeah. yeah actually, it's a funny story because um, I'm gonna go on a long long story now. Um, okay. The original date of the actually the original what 23rd September release. I actually had a dentist appointment that day in town, okay. so I went with my mum and obviously found out that. The Dreamcast had been delayed. Mm. But then my actual dentist appointment had been cancelled as well and had been rescheduled to the 14th of October. So, so oh. I took the day off school anyway. So literally, I just, you know, did took care of both. Had some had my teeth checked out and then went to town with my mum to pick up my pre-order of the Dreamcast and just bunked off school the rest of the day. So Nice. Nice. Yeah. Good old mum. Thanks, mum. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my uh, I mean, I didn't get one at launch, but my mum was very instrumental in my Dreamcast purchase as well, but she bought it for me, basically. I was 16, so I didn't have that much money. Um, but it was my 16th birthday, and, and I think Steve will remember because she bought it like a good few months in advance mm-hmm. of my 16th birthday, and I managed to convince her multiple times to let me take yeah. it out of the wardrobe it was beforehand <laughs> in order to the, that's test right, it. Under the pretense of testing it. You've got to make sure all the games work, right? That was your logic at the of time. Course. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, yeah. That was my logic. I think what was it? I had I got power because I got mine in the year two thousand. It was like August two thousand, mm. so it was a nearly a year later that I got mine. So it wasn't the launch, but um, I had Power Stone and Crazy Taxi with it originally, and those were the games that I had and that we took out of the wardrobe to play. And I think at some point I bought one of the official Dreamcast magazines as well with the Code Veronica demo, mm. and I'm yeah, pretty sure we I played that, that together yeah. as well. You watched yep, me play I that. that. Um, but that was like. Those two games, Crazy Taxi and Power Stone, they were a pretty good introduction. I mean, they were oh, they yeah. were like Crazy Taxi wasn't a launch title, but it was fairly close to launch. So there was those really good introductions to the Dreamcast. I think like those yeah. were games, the games that I'd never played anything like them before. I'm not sure what your thoughts were on them, Steve, when when you played them with me. Yeah, they were both uh, they were both uh, amazing. Kind of kind of mind blowing. Crazy Taxi in particular, it felt like the kind of game that you could just play forever. You could just keep mm. going. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure that I would have kept going had you not <laughs> stopped me. Um, <laughs> I don't know that game. Like I'd seen it uh, before. Um, it was it it was in arcades before that, right? 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd seen it before, but um, you know, playing it on the Dreamcast, and it felt like it felt like there was an arcade machine uh, in your bedroom, and we were playing Crazy Taxi on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that 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 game is just designed to be as much fun as possible, and the soundtrack is incredible, and you could just keep going <laughs> and going, and it never got old, and it was yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, and Power Stone also stuff i'd never seen before in games um you know wacky fighting game but um the stuff i remember about that game is where you can is how destructible the environment is Mm -hmm. and how crazy the fights feel because of that and i remember like firing machine guns at each other and us dodging the bullets by rolling over tables and (laughs) like kicking chairs into each other yeah it was it was yeah it was very 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 impressive absolutely yeah it was um yeah, it was experiences that I don't think we'd ever had because we were very much PlayStation people, mm-hmm. I think, both of us. We both had PlayStations. And there's a very specific... I don't know, there's a specific feel to the PlayStation. Mm. And the Dreamcast had its own specific feel to it. And, very and it much was, so. It yeah. was like... that's that, that was the difference back in the day, wasn't it? Like, each of the manufacturers had a feel. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you played a Nintendo console and you got, you know, the Nintendo feeling from playing yeah. it. You played a Sega console, you got the Sega feeling. It was really... And I'd never played a Sega console, uh, not for... I think I borrowed Mega, a Mega Drive a number of years beforehand. But the Dreamcast is like my first proper Sega console. And it was... Because I'd never played one at all before, it was completely, completely new stuff. Um so yeah, Rich. What I mean, Sega Rally and Sonic Adventure being your first ones. What were your first initial thoughts when you played them? Even at the time, I think playing Sonic Adventure on launch, it, it was definitely kinder that it. You saw the game kind of through rose-tinted glasses because <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. playing it now, it is very, very, very janky. I <laughs> mean, there's something that's still you play like Mario sixty four now. It still holds up. I think even you know with that N64 controller, it's it mm. still feels as revolutionary um, as it was back then. But yeah, with Sonic now, the way it's very erratic in terms of the control, the camera's all over the shop. But playing mm-hmm. it then, I mean, I'd only, be, I'd only really owned um, well, the Mega Drive before that in terms of a Sega console, but I'd played enough Sonic um, to basically say yeah, Sonic was my guy, that was my mascot, that was my character. So mm-hmm. playing him in 3D was obviously quite exciting, and I mm. I loved it. I mean, that very first, um, was it Emerald Coast, the very first level? Yeah. That was just magical. I mean, everything, obviously the, the killer whale segment, that was, the, that was always the bit mm-hmm. you saw when you was watching it being played in the shop or watching mm-hmm. the demo, and I just I found that breathtaking. It really felt like you'd... You was playing, you know, the most powerful console in the world at that time. It was so impressive, and also Windy Valley as well. That was a very impressive level with the tornado. Yeah. Not Gusty Gardens, <laughs> Windy Valley. Um, <laughs> but yeah, 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 Sonic isn't great now. I mean, I still love the cheesy music. I detest all the characters introduced. That's mm. kind of been a bane on Sonic Sonic's existence to this very day. Um, Sega Rally. Yeah, I love it. I mean, that's still one of the, my go-to games when I play the Dreamcast today. I just, I love the controls. I still love the way it looks. Um, mm. Played, I never played a lot of it in the arcades, but played enough of it to appreciate it playing it in the home, and it, it looked fantastic. I mean, people talked about Sega Rally being arcade, you know, perfect or as close to the arcade as possible, and like the Saturn version. But mm. Obviously, I never really, never really saw that. But with the Dreamcast, yeah, it felt every inch like you had the arcade cabinet in your house. Uh, yeah, I just I, I love Sega Rally so much. I really do. 
It's a good game. And yeah. did you did did you never get a set? And then did you skip to the Dreamcast from the Mega Drive? Or um, yeah, well, yeah. So I was Mega Drive, then on to play yeah, it'd be N64. PlayStation N sixty four, then <laughs> back to PlayStation, then to Dreamcast, then back to PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was after I threw my Dreamcast in the bin. Yeah. <laughs> we'll stop mentioning that after this one, shall we? We'll, we'll let you off the hook yeah. for throwing the Dreamcast away. Yeah. <laughs> it's time. It's time to let it go. I've got a quick question for you guys, actually. So, Steve, mm. obviously, you having never owned one, and you, you kind of being a bit of mm-hmm. the late adopter, um, mm-hmm. did you really follow like the, the lead up to the Dreamcast launch in terms of what was on TV or magazines, that kind of stuff? Did you get hyped? Um, I remember it well. I remember being hyped um, just because it felt like gaming was jumping forward a lot in one generation. Um, yeah, I don't remember a lot of specific details about it. But um, yeah, I definitely remember the hype at the time and I was excited. I mean, I was kind of... I knew that there, it was unlikely I was going to get my hands on one just because of the circumstances of the time. I didn't have my own money really at the time. But it was exciting for sure. Mm. For, for me, it was... Because I'd been Nintendo before that, I had a NES and a SNES, and then as soon as I saw a PlayStation and Resident Evil, that was it. I was a PlayStation person, yeah. um, and then really, I didn't. I'd, I'd never really had like looked much at Sega consoles. So the Dreamcast, I knew, it. I knew what it was. I knew kind of it was around and it was coming, but I didn't really pay much attention to it. Yeah. And the only time that I started to pay attention to it is as soon as Capcom announced that they were making the newest Resident Evil mm. game. And then I was like all over it. I, I think I was like looking at all the magazines. I was probably like talking to Steve constantly about how I had to get one. Yes, um, yes you were, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so really it was, um, yeah, it was Resident Evil that got me into the Dreamcast. And I, I, I literally didn't even look at any of the other games. I wasn't bothered. It was Resident Evil or nothing. And it wasn't <laughs> until my mum got me the console with uh, Power Stone and Crazy Taxi um, I was kind of it wasn't forced to play them, but you know I I had them and they, I had them before Resident Evil came out, and it wasn't until I played those that I went, oh yeah, the Dreamcast itself is actually going to be a really good console. It's not just going to be for Resident Evil; it's going to be for all these other games. And uh, yeah, but <laughs> the lead up to it and the launch, I don't think I paid a huge amount of attention to apart from yeah. the Resident Evil stuff, really. Yeah, oh, cool. cool. Resident Evil was definitely the system seller for you, and mm. I, at the time we were led to believe that it would only be on the Dreamcast mm-hmm. and it would never be on anything else. And so for you, it was like, well, there isn't a choice here. I must have the Dreamcast. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and if anybody is in any doubt uh, about Andrew's credentials of Dreamcast fandom, he was extremely excited at the time <laughs> to get to get Code Veronica. But then also when he had the Dreamcast, like, yeah, it was, uh, there were good times. There were good times in gaming because that was a great console and the uh, enthusiasm for it was was very exciting at the time. Yeah definitely excited about it but yeah it was it, it was odd being an early uh, not an early adopter because i don't know i don't know if it was odd or if it was great because actually by that point a bunch of other games had come out so you know the, i mean dreamcast was fairly good in terms of the amount of games that it had close to launch um but by august 2000 there was a huge amount of really good games and then on the horizon like within months there was another huge amount of like i got it in august by november shemu had come out um and um you know and not just that there was all these other games that were that were coming or just just been and it, I, I couldn't keep up i i think did i 
I had a part-time job when I was 16, so I was basically spending all of my part-time job money on, on buying Dreamcast games, <laughs> and that's all it was spent towards. So um, it was a blessing and a curse. I didn't get it early, therefore I got all the good games pretty much straight away, um, but also it meant that I had to spend all of my money on these really good games really quickly. <laughs> so, yeah. Did you, what, uh, Rich? What did you, did, what did you get next? What was your, what was the game that you got after uh, getting the Dreamcast? I can't remember if I actually bought any games um, between um, the launch and Christmas time because obviously they weren't that far apart. And being sixteen, I wasn't buying games willy nilly like I am nowadays on the Switch. Mm. Um, but if I remember rightly, it was Christmas, so Christmas of '99. I got Soul Calibur, um, Hydra nice. Thunder, and the classic Chef's Love Shack. Wow, <laughs> quite that's the trio. a trio of games. Yeah. <laughs> Two out of three ain't bad. Yeah, but, I, d- I don't think I've ever played Chef's Love Shack. That was just a quiz game, basically. Yeah, wasn't it, it was. Is that right? It was like mini games as well. But I mean, I think it was the height of South Park, you know, craze. Mm. And I mean, obviously, I had the the FPS on the N sixty four prior to that, so I was all about any N sixty four, any South Park game I could get my hands on. But yeah, mm. um, the fact it looked a lot more like an actual episode as well, the, you know, visually. That was appealing mm, yeah. straight away. But yeah, it was lots of um, questions about American television that me being a 16-year-old British kid was just like, <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, cool. When can I get to the Pi Teen contest with Carmen? Because I can play this part. But, <laughs> but it was a fun game. It, it was it was crap, but it was good crap. Mm. So. I guess we had... Um... Who wants to be a, Who wants to be a millionaire to balance that out? I suppose. Didn't did. Um, I don't know if you got that at the time. I didn't, but but that's basically our version of Chef's Love Shack, yeah. just much more serious, and with Chris Tarrant <laughs> instead of yeah. Chef. Um, I got that on launch. <laughs> oh, <laughs> launch of the game, obviously, but but yeah. You actually got it when it came out. Yeah, I, yeah. I ordered it on um back in the old days of mail order through a, was it Gameplay? Used to get the Gameplay. ads in the back of the magazines. Yeah, I pre-ordered mm, wow. that bad boy, and it came. The, yeah, got him from school, got my Chris Tarrant video game out. It was a very exciting day for me. So. <laughs> there was actually a mistake in that game as well. I forget the exact question, but there was a question referring to... I think it was referring to like Gone with the Wind or Casablanca. And the mm. actual correct answer was incorrect. So you had to deliberately answer it wrong to actually proceed. Wow. Yeah, they, they messed up. So, And you knew the correct answer to that as a 16-year-old? I did not know. Did you know? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Eventually, I did. <laughs> Trial and error, but yeah. So. Well, the uh, Dreamcast had a modem in it. Could they not have patched it? Is that not no? no? <laughs> <Patched>. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I mean, that's, that's a good segue, though. Uh, the Dreamcast. You're welcome. And... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for that. Um, but yeah, the, the Dreamcast itself. Um, forget about the games for just a second. The Dreamcast itself was um, a bit of a marvel of technology at the time. I mean, you know, we talk about. Um, I mean, we talked about, you know, seeing a Dreamcast and it was this amazing leap forward in gaming. And it was, I mean, the graphics was 128 bit. The graphics were better than anything we'd seen previously on a console. But then also the the modem and, and um, the VMU and all mm. of that kind of stuff that was brand new to the console market. We'd never seen anything like it. Um, I mean, is that something, Is that, are those things that sold you on the Dreamcast, Rich? Uh, or the things like the modem? Oh, yeah, modem, absolutely. I mean, I... <laughs> I don't I don't recall using the internet at home at that point. I don't think I had at least I wasn't using a PC for the internet, so that would have been my first actual gateway, especially as far as internet in my own bedroom goes. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was a massive selling point. Never was too bothered, especially then when it wasn't really a big thing, but the actual online gaming part, but browsing, emails, 
absolutely mm. um vmu i just even to this day and it sounds really bad but i still don't really look at it as much more as than a memory card <laughs> i never really played okay. the actual v, the actual vmu games themselves so no. yeah i know it's terrible it's, it's a great little piece of kit i mean it's around that time with like Tamagotchi's really little LCD screen, little sprites. I mean, mm. it was it was so similar, and I should have loved yeah. it. But for me, it was just game saves. Sure. Yeah. Is it yeah. is it a stretch to call the VMUs a sort of proto second screen experience type thing? Um, I think it's the beginning of I think it's the beginning of that stuff because it it was I mean as in it, it you know you could get information from the game like code veronica had your health on the vm it did didn't it yeah. yeah i was going to ask that that was that was pretty cool yeah i remember like so madden was it the nfl 2k games you could actually do your actual um your actual plays on the actual vmu screen so show the formations so that oh, way the other players couldn't see what you were doing uh-huh. which was really that's cool. clever Sorry. yeah not one i'd have known because i didn't really play those kind of games <laughs> but yeah that's quite i didn't realize that but yeah there you go but like does anything really sort of stand out in terms of what people did with the VMUs or is it kind of like the trackpad on the PS4 controller like a really cool idea that no developer really made proper use of like because um, I, I remember the I remember the the um the K, um chows or chaos no however you want to pronounce it <laughs> on um on Sonic Adventure was like a like mm. style thing yeah. with those, yeah. but uh, I, I, and beyond the Resident Evil health readout thing, uh, I can't really think of anything else that was really that amazing. I um, think it was all about the potential of that thing rather than mm-hmm. any specific use of it actually being that amazing. Yeah, not not many people took full advantage of it. I don't think. I mean, even Sega didn't take full advantage in some of their games. Mm. Um, to be honest, it it was almost like they just they just did. I mean, the, a lot of games just had like the game logo on the screen while you were playing it. So there was no game info at all. Um, but there were games like uh, Power Stone had uh, and Power Stone Two had little VMU games that you could have and play on the go. Um, there was others. Sega GT had something quite cool. I think I'm not sure if it was in the UK version. I'm pretty sure it was just the Japanese version. But yeah, there were there were some that took advantage of it, and then there was some that just kind of didn't even bother. Um, so it was definitely it was a missed mm. opportunity for yeah. by most people. But when people did use it properly, it, it was it was a really interesting. Um, it was a really interesting thing, and also the fact that we don't talk about it very much, but the fact you could connect two together, so you could swap oh, saves yeah. oh, without yeah. having to go on the on the Dreamcast itself. So that was actually quite a neat thing as well. Um, yeah. Speaking of saves, actually, with the VMU, one of the things I did love about using that, and this actually goes back onto the whole online side as well, is using the VMU sites. You could actually download game um, save states and files. Ah. So if you were stuck on a game, I can just download a hundred percent games and game save from like Sonic Adventure mm. and have all the characters unlocked. And that was like yeah. so revolutionary. Like nineteen ninety nine, and we're doing that. Like yeah, yeah, that's pretty nuts. That was that was good. I mean, did um, I know the PS two eventually got a modem, but I don't think you had things like that for the PS two, did you? You couldn't. No. I'm sure. I, I feel like we did. I there, feel like we did download game yeah, saves. The there PS2, was definitely but... a version of that happening. I remember a game mag- magazine once coming with a save file, but I don't remember how That's you got right. it onto on the, the demo disc card. or something. I don't remember how that all worked? But yes, there was definitely a mm. version of that, but it wasn't something that was like built-in functionality at all. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, the internet, the modem part of it was something that was so far ahead of its time. Um, and I don't think it was something that even Sega really knew how to fully utilize, but they did really well. I mean, mm-hmm. the fact that you could 
kind of browse the internet and do email and stuff straight out of the box. And then it was about a year later, wasn't it, that they released Choo Choo Rocket yeah. um, over here, which was the first online game that you could play. And then the fact that they released that for free, mm-hmm. um, you could send off for it um, for free. Um, it, that was pretty awesome. Like that Sega believed that much in online gaming that they were willing to give away a full-fledged game uh, for nothing. I mean, a boxed game as well. It wasn't like it was just like a, a disc. You know, they were just kind of going to send you a disc through the post. They sent you a boxed game with a manual and everything for free, um, <laughs> which I thought at the time I was like, "Wow, I've not seen that done before." <laughs> and um, and it's actually a really good game. And still to this day, it's, it is. it's a really it good is. game. Yeah. Mm. It's a shame. It's a shame that new one doesn't look very good. I, I think it's quite good. I've played it. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, have you played it? Yeah. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. It's an Apple and it's good. It's, it's, it's good. It's a good puzzle game. I mean, it, it's a mobile game, but it's mm. a good mobile game because it's based on Choo Choo Rocket. So it's... It, I mean, maybe that's just me and the roasting to glasses. But, um, <laughs> but I, I, I enjoy it. So, yeah, it's good. Cool. I think a lot of... When people refer to the Dreamcast, they say uh, that it was ahead of its time. And like as this conversation's gone on, I realised just how true that was. Mm-hmm. Particularly what you've just said about the online gaming stuff. Online gaming is now gigantic mm-hmm. um, for consoles. At one point, back in the Dream the Dreamcast days and even the PS2 days, it felt very. It felt like they were trying to get it to catch on, but it was people didn't take it seriously and they were like you play Mm. online games on the pc you don't do that on the console Mm -hmm. obviously now you know it's a very different situation and we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the efforts of particularly the dreamcast Mm. so it's kind of it's kind of amazing to think to think back on it in that context Mm. and the fact that uh, like we said earlier only 9.13 million of them were ever sold Mm. considering how much there was there that the fact that it was an online gaming console i think then goes to show how bad sega screwed it up um yeah. uh, with the marketing with yeah. all sorts of i mean there's so much behind that i mean there's the fact that they were they were basically on the brink of bankruptcy as it was it was a real it was a real one-two punch when it comes mm, to yeah. console releases because the saturn flopped and then they fought that with dreamcast which then flopped it's like it's kind of tragic really how you could mess that up uh, mm-hmm. For quite similar reasons as well, mm. both times. It's a real shame. It's a shame as well because I mean, when the Dreamcast launched, I mean, at least in Europe and the US, they were smashing records as well. They, mm-hmm. they were, you know, yeah, the initial were. like sales were like, okay, this is looking good. But then when mm-hmm. that certain uh, PS2 shadow loomed mm-hmm. over, and when mm-hmm. it just slowed to a crawl, and then it was like, now nah, wait. But yeah, yeah, so it's a it's a bloody shame. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's yeah, it's it's a it's a double-edged thing, isn't it? Because it, 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 in one way, it goes to show how huge Sony had become, and you know how big they still are to this day. Is you know, in no short, in no small thanks to to, to do with the PS2 and how well that did. Um, but also, it goes to show that Sega just they couldn't kind of keep up with the times. As as hard as they tried, there was just something that, that wasn't catching on with the public in in general, and I'm not sure what that was to be perfectly honest, right. because the console itself, the games themselves, were great. I, was it the marketing that they did wrong? Was it? I'm not sure. I think. I mean, it was probably down to hardware. I think mm. the people who were in the know just knew that if they waited a bit longer, they could get a much more powerful machine. I mean, the Saturn was. I mean, they, that was initially supposed to be a 2D machine, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and they they sort of, after the fact, were like, no, no, we need to make 3D games because 3D is the thing now. Mm-hmm. So they, they just tripped over themselves on that one. And I think the Dreamcast 
it was a similar situation it just it was amazing at the time but something even more amazing was coming out very shortly after so they just they just didn't they just didn't keep up with that though it was it, that is more to do with sony's marketing machine than anything because actually the ps2 wasn't that much more technically advanced mm. than the dreamcast and in some ways the dreamcast was more technically advanced mm. than the ps2 so it, it was i think the dvd the dvd drive sold a lot of people oh absolutely um, yeah yeah because it's the cheapest it was the cheapest yeah, way at the time to get a dvd drive and weirdly enough um the dvd a dvd drive was something that they were originally thinking of putting in the dreamcast um, and they just didn't. And the reason they didn't, and this is me now giving away things from the book. So you're welcome. Because um, <laughs> I've had a, a good old chat with um, Bernie Stolar. And the reason they didn't put a DVD and drive in originally is they couldn't afford it. Um, there was going to be a DVD drive. There was going to be like internal storage. Mm. There was going to be the modem. I mean, this is stuff that people who are really into Dreamcast probably already know because Bernie's t- talked about it before. Um, but because of the fact that Sega had been on the verge of bankruptcy for a, a year or so by that point, they couldn't afford to put all of this tech into the console, um, mainly because one, it's expensive, but two, it means the price of the console yeah. goes up significantly and pushing the price of the console, it means that less people will buy it. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think that the, the plan was to release these things later as add-ons, but of course, as we know, as history proved, it, it, by that point, by the point they could have released them as add-ons, it was already dead i mean that was that was sort of part of the pitch at the time the the Mm. dreamcast was um a very powerful console that was affordable right like they built Mm -hmm. it the guts of that thing was sort of they did a really good job with it and the games looked very impressive but the internals were actually not that state of the art it was all sort of off the shelf stuff um Mm. and so I think it's obviously, you know, it was a good idea at the time to make something that was affordable and more accessible to more people. But, you know, again, those in the know, they just knew that if they waited it out, they'd get something that just was more was more fully featured. Mm-hmm. Going going back on the marketing again, though, I do think that's one thing Sega did right, um, at least as far as it goes with Europe. Because obviously up until then, I think we'd marketing for video game consoles had always been quite it was the typical teenage boy extreme mm-hmm. you know bloody some man being fired out of a cannon you know teacher telling <laughs> you off kind of stuff very extreme 90s marketing but mm-hmm. what sega done was different it felt more um i don't know it almost felt like a more of a the best way to describe it, it had more of a kind of uh lifestyle product the marketing felt quite most apple zen in a way like all the whites and the Mm. blues the the logo was quite genteel it didn't have the extreme and gamer it felt like it was be it would be something that could be in the home of anyone um whether Mm. it was the internet you know the browsing the emailing the 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 message i was sending with you know gaming bringing everyone together you know up to six billion players i mean the tv ads they ran as well using stuff like Robbie Williams. It was, wasn't was going for the usual gamer crowd. It felt like they were trying to aim a bit broader. And True. It's, yeah, it's a shame it never really worked out. I mean, I remember getting excited when I was in a cinema and the older, the the very first <laughs> TV and the very first commercial came on before um, episode one, Phantom Menace, for the, uh, oh, wow. the barbershop commercial. Um, and yeah for which you're named for which your twitter handle is indeed named. yeah huh. oh really <laughs> indeed. Uh, yeah, i have been wondering that. i have been yeah. wondering yeah, yeah, yeah but the, the good old dreamcast barber yeah the, the, i just really liked their marketing it was different it felt yeah. different and in I, terms I, yeah. of that 
industry. I think it's another example of the, of the Dreamcast just being really ahead of its time as well, because that kind of marketing, you know, as you said, is is I mean, Apple does that very successfully, and it's this kind of marketing that would have purchased now, um, but for some reason yeah. just didn't at the time. Yeah. I think the problem really was with the marketing was that although it was very cutting edge and it was cool and it was lifestyle, what it didn't do is show what the Dreamcast could do. Um, so there was very little game footage. There was really nothing about anything other than the six billion players type thing. You know, yeah. you, it was very it, it was very vague about what the Dreamcast could yeah. do, and uh, it was vague to a degree that was almost too much because then there was the whole sponsoring Arsenal thing. And for a good chunk of time, all they had emblazoned on their shirts was Dreamcast. There was no Sega. There was no, nobody knew what it was, Mm. you know, unless you were in the video games sphere and you knew what the Dreamcast was, which, you know, being fair, probably a lot of football fans would have no idea about consoles and games at that point in time. Um, you'd have no idea what the Dreamcast was and you'd just see it as some branding on somebody's shirt and yeah. wouldn't go on. And they spent a huge amount of money on, on a that. A, a, a lot of money. That was three teams, um, wasn't it? It was like Fiorentina, Arsenal yeah. and Real Madrid? It was a few, yeah. yeah three I mean, European clubs. Crazy. And they spent a lot of their marketing budget on, on doing that, on sponsoring. And, you know, I can see why they did it because, uh, you know, it's it's a good way of, of getting into a huge group of people, uh, you know, a huge consumer base but the problem that they had really the whole way through is that they just didn't show enough of what the dreamcast could actually do and what it was mm. for um and it's it's almost like the the issue that the wii u had which was that you didn't know what the wii u was like so many people thought it was an add-on for the wii um and not a console of its own uh, in its own right um and i think sega had the very same problem i think in in japan it was always going to be fine because everybody knows sega in japan and you know dreamcast was great and it did really well there but in America and here, it was a much different story. By that point, Sega was, you know, people didn't really know much about Sega anymore because Saturn had bombed so badly um, and Sony had come up really quickly. Yeah, they they did the right thing in terms of lifestyle, which they also did in the magazines, which is great. Mm, the official Dreamcast yeah. magazine, I will say, is my favourite gaming magazine of all time. Like <laughs> they were, yeah, it was a bit cringy at times, <laughs> but overall it was it was a great magazine for, for gamers. Um but that whole lifestyle thing, they did that right because that was late 90s, early 2000s. That was what was happening. Mm. Uh, and they had their finger on the pulse there, but they just didn't show enough of what was actually, you know, what the Dreamcast was. Yeah, I mean, I still, uh, I remember, I still remember issue zero with the whole turn me on with the woman on it. And it was, uh, it was playing into the lads mag. I mean, that was yeah, yeah, late 90s. It was lads mag culture. It was FHM mm-hmm. and all that stuff. It was, I hated buying that magazine because I was with my mum and it was just like, God, why? <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, DC UK was a little bit better in terms of that they didn't have the uh, weird stuff in it as much. But yeah, yeah no, <laughs> both good DC magazines. That was, that was a great bag. Great magazine, yeah. A shout out to Casper Field as well, who I interviewed for the book. He's a great guy. Um, he's a former editor of DC UK and he's a very nice chap. Um, but yeah, so I guess moving back onto the games a little bit... Um, Rich, I know you you have almost like a list of games that you wanted to talk about. Did you want to kind of go into one of those? Yeah, I'm going to pick the ones that mean the most to me. Um, sure. I mean, obviously, there's always going to be, has to be Shenmue. I mean, yeah, we can't ignore it. I mean, mm-hmm. I love Shenmue so much that I never actually made any time for the sequel and I won't buy a <laughs> PS4 for Shenmue 3. But it, Shenmue, again, it's like it's a game that I don't necessarily love it for the series or the characters it was more about 
its significance on the Dreamcast at the time. It was that one game I basically hoped was going to succeed, so the Dreamcast mm-hmm. as a console would just be elevated because I was, I was, you know, I was sixteen. But by then, I think I got to that point in my age where you started to really get behind the things you owned. They weren't just, oh, it's my game's console. You really wanted it to be loved yes. by other people. You wanted to see it yeah. grow and become popular and be a really healthy scene. So Shenmue was like, it was the Mario 64, the Ocarina of Time all rolled into one. It was the mm-hmm. game for the Dreamcast. It was the one that you were going to show your schoolmates and they were going to go and buy one as well. Um, mm. They were advertising that from basically issue zero of... Um, official Dreamcast magazine as well, weren't they? Yeah. It was like a good year, year and a half before it came out that we were seeing stuff about it. Yeah. But so. it just, yeah, that game was just, we're talking about being a revolutionary again, but I mean, it's so much about that game. It just, it still impresses me today and it still holds up visually. I still think it looks really, really nice. Mm. I mean, how interactive, okay, it doesn't compare to games today, but how f- interactive and how free the world was then. You know, the day, mm. night, sleep cycle, the in-game clock, it, the you know the, the fact the weather was based on actual weather reports from yeah. 1986 in the Yokosuka and awesome. other regions. It's just yeah, and the fact that you also you had all the people had their own uh, routines, yeah. so you'd find them in different places, different parts of the town at different times of day, um, and they'd go home at certain times, and it would depend on if it was a weekday or a weekend, and it was yeah, it was pretty revolutionary on that front. Yeah, just yeah, you watch businesses open and close, and you literally had mm. to make you know you had to refer to your notebook. I mean, I think with gaming today now, there are things that with Shenmue playing it today it would start to grate a bit, and you actually have to kill mm-hmm. time. And <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it. I didn't mind it back then. Nowadays, oh, I don't know what things to do. <laughs> I can't. They gave, you, they gave you some good ways to kill time, though. I mean, yeah. the arcade was pretty awesome. Just hang out with Tom for a bit. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> or not, but. <laughs> I just yeah I I really love that game and I used to play Super Hang On on that all the time because that was a game mm-hmm. I previously owned on the Mega Drive and that's the only way I had to play it back in '99 mm-hmm. so I was on Super Hang On in the arcade constantly. <laughs> um, yeah, that's Shemu is is it's the daddy for me. It is the one the yeah. one game that defines the Dreamcast. It's it's yeah. got the most legacy. I mean Sonic as a character obviously has more clout, but Shemu is a series as an actual series is the one that people remember. I mean, here we are, we've got mm-hmm. HD remasters of 1 and 2. We've got a sequel coming out, you know, next almost month. 20 years later, <laughs> yeah, next month. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But, no, Shemu, definitely. Uh, that was my big yeah. Christmas game the following year. Um, wow. Love, love Shemu. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a big one for me as well. Um, but I kind of want to hand over to Steve for this, because I think... <laughs> We need to hear the other side of this story because I think Steve's got some some thoughts on Shenmue. I do, I do, um, but I, I'm I'm I don't feel like I want to uh, completely poo poo everything that Richard just said. That was a very <laughs> that was a very impassioned um, speech in favour of Shenmue, and I agree with a lot of it. it uh, the game was undoubtedly very revolutionary. It popularized quick time events um i think it coined the term quick time event was that actually mm-hmm. in the game yeah. was it yeah 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 um the day night cycle stuff um the i so i played all the way through shenmue i borrowed uh, a dreamcast to play all the way through shenmue and i had a great time with it um and for me that great time is because of the unmatched feeling of immersion 
I felt like I was spending time in an actual Japanese town and mm. I was wandering around and it was alive and um the game didn't hold your hand at all it just said you have to go over here and speak to this person at this time and that was as much as it told you uh and you would have to speak to the residents of the town do you know where this place is and they would say yes or no um and they would direct you around uh was it the second game that you could follow like they would actually walk there yeah. and you could follow them yeah that's right okay um all of that stuff is amazing i and shenmue it should absolutely be um, praised for all of that stuff. However, um, I, I I never felt I never felt like Shenmue was the sum of all its parts, mm. and I think uh, particularly when it comes to the pacing, I, I think it is. I've never I've never played a game before that literally that literally like wastes my time. Like <laughs> I I, uh, I once I suppose once I'd played the arcades a few times, which by the way were very cool. The fact that you could go and play Hang On in that game, it was like mm-hmm. it was like some kind of Escher painting. It's like I'm playing a guy who's playing a game in a game. Like it's <laughs> it was crazy. Um, but once you've done all that stuff, it's just like I just want to I just want to carry on with the story, and mm-hmm. I would just bring the watch up and then just leave it there and do something else while i waited for the time to tick down mm-hmm. and and as it went on it just felt like uh, it was just way it was it was dying under its own weight for me it was like god people need to talk to me faster and i need to get information faster because <laughs> i just uh, and 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 I played through the second one and I had a great time with that too although I didn't finish it but i i, I yeah i'm not going to go into too much detail because obviously sure. um rich feels uh, very passionately attached fine. to this game it's fine i'm not hurt, I'm not hurt. It's fine. <laughs> but um <laughs> I, I, I don't know i think it should be very highly regarded but it's it for me it, it never came together as being a good video game and mm. uh, i think it's kind of a it's kind of a bad video game fertile ground in terms of um new ideas uh, certainly we'd never seen anything like it before and games have been inspired by it since and it's very important mm-hmm. as a video game i don't know man i don't know mm-hmm. i don't know if it's there for me play ya- play yakuza now that is mm-hmm. shenmue refined uh to its to its core elements and it's and it's great uh, mm-hmm. shenmue i just feel is very creaky and and particularly now extremely difficult to approach sure yeah i think if somebody was approaching it today having played modern games it would be really very hard to get into um what i'm hoping is that shemmy 3 is shemmy refined to its best um steve is shaking his head I, it's um, not gonna be man that's not what people want they want they want <laughs> shenmue ass shenmue and when that comes out for better or worse <laughs> it is gonna be a shenmue game Mm. well that's i mean in a way that's fine because there is a huge and it's it's actually surprisingly how it surprised me how big the shemmy community is in terms of how many people actually love it as much as rich does as much as i do and that's why three got off the ground in the first place because there was enough people who were like fucking give me shemmy three we've been waiting like However, it was like 17 years by that point when the Kickstarter began. Um, we want it, give it to us. Um, so the, it's got such a big fan base that regardless, to be because to be honest, I think if you spoke to most Shemu fans, they would probably agree with you to a degree on the points that you dislike about it. But the difference there is that they would probably see them as 
they'd either be able to overlook them for the good parts of the game or they would see them as a part of what makes the game interesting and good. Um, I think that for me that that was part of it. I think the fact that I do agree it wasted your time quite a lot, but I liked that. It felt more real. Um, I think they put... Was it Shenmue 2 that they actually allowed you to skip time? Am I thinking correctly? They they did, yes. Yeah. I don't remember so, exactly. It's not as convenient as you want it to be. But no. They, but, but they have put it in there. I can't remember exactly how that works. But, but, but yeah. No, I can't remember now. But So they listened in that in that regard. Yeah, they did. And there was things that they, they changed. And I think in Shenmue 3, from what I've heard, there's a lot of quality of life improvements that you would hope they'd make, considering it's no longer 20 years ago. Um, which they have because the demo's out now. I haven't played it yet. I do have it because I was a Kickstarter backer, but my computer is terrible. It's only on the PC. Um, I should try it at some point before November, um, see if my computer will run it. But I've heard that it's Shenmue, but with it feels more like a modern game. So there's hope there, um, I think, for it. And I guess you can try it when you come to mine next, Steve, and sure. see if you agree. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm I'm super glad that it exists. I'm yeah. I'm also excited that Shenmue Three exists. I I suspect it's not going to be for me. And and Possibly and not. just to be clear, when 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 we talk about the Dreamcast, Shenmue is also up there for me as one of my most memorable experiences. Mm. But I'm remembering like the feeling and uh, of playing that game for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not want to play that game now, though. <laughs> like as a game, it just it just does nothing for me. I I I would love to play an actually more refined Shenmue because that that atmosphere and that charm is mm-hmm. still not something that any other game is doing. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a real shame that it's for me anyway. I think it's a real shame that it's sort of weighed down by the game part. I do think, um, yeah, based on your criticisms, they are, and I say this is someone that kind of raved about the game, but they are really are bang on. Because, I mean, even for me, I can admit the, the biggest reason I think Shemu um, really resonates with me is it, it's more the, the feeling it created, mm. not all mm. the game that I played. I mean, from, yeah, the importance of the Dreamcast, but it's a game that made me fall in love with Japan. I mean, I'm, mm. that game was instrumental in making me want to travel to Japan. I've still not done it 20 years later, but I am still hell-bent on doing it. I'm still hell-bent mm-hmm. on going to Dubuita Street. I, yes. Yeah, that's on my bucket list. And it's mm-hmm. simply because of that game. I mean, I'm quite a nostalgic, quite an emotional person. I hold on to a lot of feelings. And that game created that. And one day I will go to Japan and I will go to Dubuita Street. And it will be simply because of that game. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's very important to me. Very special. Yeah. I, can, I think it's good. It's good that we agree that it's it's regardless of how we feel about it as a game, it, as a, as an experience, and as a Dreamcast experience specifically, it's really important. A hundred percent. Yeah, for mm. sure. Yeah, I think I, I, when I think about it, I I think back to being. It's almost it's it's almost bedtime. You're looking at your watch, and <laughs> shops are closing and people there's not as many people out on the street and there are some drunk people and you're like i should go home and it's getting slightly darker yeah that is not shenmue's a bad game but that feeling has not been replicated since in any other game Mm. and it did feel really unique at the time and quite magical i guess but Mm. yeah 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 and it's it's a difficult thing to uh, 20 years on it's a difficult thing to then say to somebody else who's playing it for the first time, this is what this game is, because mm. they're just experiencing it, uh, you know, now. 
um, in the context of what gaming is now rather than what the co- yeah. what gaming yeah. is then. So it's a difficult feeling and experience to replicate now. Um, so I think the fans of the game, by and large, I mean there are fan there are people who've come later, but the the fans of the game are people who played it at the time when it first came out, probably for the Dreamcast. Um, so yeah, it's it's a game of its time, but it's it's a game that's influenced a huge amount of, of things and and people. Um, and there are in fact game developers who have gone on to create games specifically because they played Shenmue and decided they wanted to make games like it. Um, I can't remember what it was now, but there was a specific developer or a specific guy who went into game development because of Shenmue, and I can't remember mm. for the life of me what his name is. Um, anyway. That's another story. One, um, one more question. The biggest question that Shemu raised mm. is that how did Rio in 1986 have a Sega Saturn in his house? <laughs> yes. Yes, that is a good question. Um, you could play the games on it as well, couldn't you? You could buy the games yeah. from the tomato store. Yeah. Um, what games were they again? I can't remember. I do not. I think they were replicated from the arcades. I don't think there were any actual uh, yeah. Saturn game. Well, there definitely weren't yeah. any actual Saturn games on there, but they weren't like unique no. games. I think you. It, it was it's just like the ability to play the deep fear who've been sorted. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Um, yeah, that would have been great. Um, what's uh, What's interesting about that as well is that Yakuza kind of replicated that whole thing as well, didn't they? Because I remember uh, Yakuza Six. Mm-hmm has a replication of Virtua Fighter 5 yep, the in whole, the game, the whole, is that right? The whole thing's in there, yeah. The wow. whole thing, yeah. which is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Um, that's and that's another thing that Shemmy bought us, basically. Pretty much. Replicating yeah. games within games. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, that is a big question for the ages. Why did Rio have a Sega Saturn? Um, I don't know if we'll ever answer it. Um, but it was cool regardless, I suppose. <laughs> um, I think, Steve, was there a, was there a game that you particularly think of when you think of the dreamcast that you'd want to talk yeah about? i mean there are several um okay house of the dead 2 good game yeah yes. very good game terrible dogs, game, but dogs, good game dogs of the ams it's time they made a move absolutely i that's, love i love that's, that's an amazing game uh don't come don't come they're, they're, <laughs> no no help me <laughs> Such a selfish uh, bastard. Uh, the, 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 so, obviously, uh, you had the light gun peripheral also. Uh, it yes, was very satisfying to click the VMU into the back of that thing because it felt like you were reloading an actual gun. Um, mm-hmm. But that was a very good peripheral and that was a very fun game with that light gun. Uh, and it's mm. a bit legendary now, so it's no news to anyone, but the voice acting in that game was absolutely <sighs> awful. But it was the kind of awful where it was entertaining. I'm I'm still convinced to this day that the people vo- voicing that game just worked at the studio or in the building or something, right? <laughs> That's the only explanation I can think yeah. of. Truly, like that, truly yeah, terrible, pretty... but in the most entertaining way. At, at the time, one of the most violent games I'd ever seen. Um, oh, yeah. mm. The body damage as you shot the zombies was extremely satisfying and and a little bit disturbing at times you could shoot half their heads off Mm. or their whole heads off you could expose rib cages you could shoot half their body off um really Mm. fast paced as well and just really really fun Uh, and it really lent itself to that feeling that with the dreamcast you had an arcade machine in your house yes yeah it was great yes that's the thing about the Dreamcast as well, wasn't it? It was it was an arcade machine in your house. It's exactly mm. what you said. I mean, so many of the games were either arcade ports or they were very arcade-like games. Um, I mean, you had games like Shenmue, Skies of Arcadia, Grandia 2, 
you know, those console experiences, you had those, but there were so many um, arcade games. I mean, Power Stone was an arcade game mm-hmm. um, and that got ported over and that's that's probably one of the games I I, I talk about a huge amount these days is, is just such, it's it's a game that I don't think has and ever been where, replicated. And where is Power Stone now? Like, why is that not, like, uh, couch, couch co-op games and, and couch games in general are, are big business now. Where is Power Stone? Mm-hmm. It's business. In a world where like overcooked and it's, it's exists, built for the Switch. Switch <laughs> where is yeah. where is Power Stone? It's crazy. Mm. It is. It is absolutely crazy. Um, it's also crazy that there's no more Crazy mm. Taxi. Um, <laughs> just to be trying to be clever about the segue. Um, but the, the, they did. They did kind of. I think with with Crazy Taxi, they did run that into the ground a little bit. I think because Crazy Taxi's charms were fantastic the first time round, and it was quite cool the second time. But as far as I remember, the third game on the Xbox kind of was like, eh. It was very much playing on mm. what the others had done and it didn't do anything very much different. Um, but yeah, there's uh, yeah a lot of arcade experiences and some of them are just, you don't see that in gaming mm. these days. It's it's very like big budget, yeah. Hollywood yeah. style, like massive games. And you, you don't see these quirky little experiences. I mean, you do with indie gaming, I guess. I guess that's where it's gone. Um, but back then it was developers who were yeah. big big developers who were making these quirky little experiences i think so that was that whole yeah that style of gaming it was, it was so much of its time as well because obviously with the arcade cabinet it was obviously it was almost like an invert you know, an advertisement in itself it's how much noise how mm-hmm. much brash visuals can i chuck up to make someone that's passing by stop and put yeah. you know a quid in yeah and that's something i miss it's very 90s but i miss that mm. very westernized brash loud obnoxious you know, style that used to get in gaming, whether it's Sega or Midway, or it's just, mm. yeah, it's yeah, I, it's miss, it's missing. I do really, really miss it. Yeah, and some of the big ones as well, the big brash games that Sega made, like Space Channel Five, <laughs> Jet Set Radio. Oh gosh, yeah, amazing games as well. I mean, Steve, you know how much I like Space Channel Five. Uh, uh, I, yeah. I shouldn't even say like; I should say love. I've you played that adored, game. Adored that game. How many yeah. times have you played today? Yeah. Um, it was close to 20 yeah. close to 20 and it... how many of those times were perfect runs oh a fair few because I think. you had that down towards the end you had that down uh, i remember there was a i can't remember the, how the gameplay worked exactly but it was a rhythm game right yeah simon and says kind of thing yeah. after the game had finished they just snuck one in at the end just to try and yes. trick you been, yes. And you managed to get that one as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, I, I, I'm recalling now that you're saying that. I'm pretty sure once that you came round because it's like an hour long experience. It's very short, and I'm pretty sure I just played the entire thing in front of you, and that's why yeah. you're remembering this. Uh-huh. I just played the entire thing, and I was perfect. And I was like, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't think I was trying to show off, but I was showing off like, completely, <laughs> like how good I'd gotten at that game. <laughs> was yeah. uh, was Michael Jackson in the first one or the second one? He was in both. He was in both, really, wasn't he? Mm. Yeah, which is a shame because now that game is really problematic. <laughs> <laughs> so. I guess so. <laughs> Sonic 3, um, Moonwalker, Space Channel 5. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it's um, and it was it was a cool thing at the time as well, you know, back but when, uh, you know, Michael Jackson's um, issues were just a whisper. Um, <laughs> having Michael Jackson in a game was quite a cool thing, um, and yeah, now not so much. But that game didn't need him, I don't think. It was it, it stood upon its own. It didn't need like a celebrity in it. it was... was it was it literally him, or was it a like a a nudge and a wink? It was literally him. Really? 
Wow. Yeah, it was him. He, it was his voice, and oh. they, they, I think the emotion captured his movements as well. Cool. Oh, okay. So yeah, it was definitely him. Um, but that was, I mean, that is the kind of game that you just don't see now. And Jet Set Radio as well, which was like a big like trying to describe Jet Set Radio to somebody now would be a task to get them to then play it because it's such a bizarre game. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I it's just bizarre. I don't know what you thought about Jet Set Radio, Rich. Is that one of the games on your list? Or um, it's not actually on my list. No, that was one of the games. I guess I'm going back to good old me now. <laughs> Never played <laughs> enough of it. Um, it's a game that I still keep meaning to repurchase on eBay, but so mm-hmm. far I've not found it for the right price. But now I do like Jess at Radio. It was one of the first games I remember having that real kind of cell shaded visual as well. Mm. That's what mm. that's one of the things that really jumped out at me about then. Was that the so. first game to do that? Do we know? I think it was beaten, but I think it was the first. I think it was only just beaten by something was else. Wacky Races. I think it was Wacky, Wacky Races, oh, really? yeah. That's a lovely um, looking game, I love it. Wacky, Race, that Wacky Races game. should be on my list, that's a really good game. Uh, yeah, another game that started on the Dreamcast, and it's been ported elsewhere since, yeah. hasn't it, I think, Wacky Races. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jet Set Radio, those graphics were fantastic, but not just the graphics, the soundtrack for yeah. Jet Set Radio yeah. is possibly one of the best soundtracks ever for a game. sometimes like... pop up on my Spotify, sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know when we, you know when we go back and look at games like, um, I don't know, ten eighty snowboarding, just to pull one out, <laughs> pull one out of the air. Flying um, it feels like games like ten eighty were trying to be as cool as like I know that came out before it, but it, it's like games, games tried to be cool back then. Mm. Jet Set Radio did it like effortlessly. Yeah, it was mm. it was extremely cool at the time in a way that games had not been before then. I don't mm. think soundtrack was I, I don't know was it original or was it curated it I was assume curated it was, yeah 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 so but it was like pretty much flawless yeah. there wasn't anything in there that made you roll that made you roll your eyes mm. um they did such a good job with the tone and with the aesthetic of that game mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it was great uh, i i found it a bit of a pain in the ass to play mm. Um, I I could never really work out what the hell I was supposed supposed to be doing in order to have like it didn't it didn't feel as smooth as I wanted it to be, mm. but it was still a lot of fun just because of how it looked and sounded. It was still uh, like a joy a joy to play. Yeah, definitely. I feel like it's the one of the games that almost personifies the Dreamcast as well because there's that that when you think of the Dreamcast, you think of those bright, bold games mm-hmm. that things, you know, things that hadn't been done before. And Jet Set Radio was basically the brightest, boldest game in all ways, not just the graphics, but the soundtrack and the gameplay was something you hadn't really seen before either. Um, I think it, it's, for me, it, although it's probably not my favourite Dreamcast game, it's up there, it's not my favourite, but it, it personifies for me the Dreamcast, possibly equally with uh, Space Channel 5, just because they're so crazy out there and and colorful but yeah 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 for sure uh I, I think the thing that i love most about the dreamcast was the was the uh, wasn't it a mission statement from somebody it was like referred to as blue sky something mm. like a bi aesthetic that they were going that for. Does ring a bell. Yeah. Yeah. They, re- they really wanted their games to pop with color and for them mm. to feel bright and breezy and, and, and airy. I mean, even even like Code Veronica, a Resident Evil game with all of the darkness that 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 um, that that entails, but still like pretty colorful and and yeah, in its own way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Dreamcast games generally had that had that feel to them, and Jet Set Radio was the was the pinnacle of that stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I get up that you've mentioned it, so I'll touch on it quickly. Um, Resident Evil Code Veronica. What an amazing game. I mean, it, it's probably... It, it's got lost a little bit now because it's one of the only games that hasn't been ported to modern systems properly. Like, you've got the... I think you can play it on PS4, but it's like... It's an old... It, it's as it was 20 years ago, basically. Mm. Um, rather than, like, the Resident Evil 2 remake. Um, it's as it was. But it's still... I think it still stands up pretty well as a, as a game, as an experience, as a story. It, it's cheesy as fuck, but that's, that's Resident <laughs> Evil. Um, uh, but it was... Resident Evil is what sold the Dreamcast to me and the one thing that I can say for it is it did not fail to deliver like I you know I got the Dreamcast I fell in love with all the other games but when I actually finally got Code Veronica I was actually really happy that with the game that I got I mean that that intro section just as a as an example that that um, opening cinematic with Claire running through a, a corridor with the helicopter with machine guns trying to gun her down and then when you start from the prison cell and you have to go up through the graveyard where there are zombies coming out from the graves uh, overall that was that was just an absolutely fantastic game and it was yeah i don't know what to say about it apart from it was bloody brilliant yeah it was a next-gen version of resident evil that totally nailed everything mm. about being both resident evil and next gen <laughs> yeah it, it was it was it was uh, amazing to play that game uh it looked uh, do you remember that room quite near the beginning of the game where there's a light swinging on the ceiling yeah and it affects all of the shadows and it reflects off like the dirty plates on the table Mm -hmm. and there are zombies in that room too and i'm pretty sure i might be remembering it wrong i don't know but i'm pretty sure that they had shadows as well uh possibly i think so maybe yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm trying to. Maybe remember not. As well, but, that might be yeah. a bit of uh, rose tinted stuff going on much. there. But it. But it. But it, at the time, it definitely looked really, really nice. Um, yeah. And you could target multiple enemies at once as well if you had mm-hmm. like two guns. Yes. That I. Was pretty cool. I constantly feel this draw to go back to that game and play and and play through it because I have very fond memories of it as well. Um, mm-hmm. I'm kind of I'm kind of scared to do that though because I don't want to ruin that for myself. <laughs> I'm I'm yeah. I, I'm worried I might be scared off by the uh, by the dated aspects of that game. But at the time, yes, that was that was amazing. I mean, that was the that was the system seller for you, and and I think it mm-hmm. was definitely definitely worth it. it. It felt worth it at the time. If you'd only got that game, it would have all been worth it. I think it would have been. Yeah, I'd have been happy yeah. just with that game. I mean, I'm I'm so pleased that there was many many more games than that, but. If it had just been that game, I think the Dreamcast would still have been worth it for me. Absolutely. Uh, Rich, was that one that you played, or is that another one? You, you know, you, in fact, you've not really played that many Resident Evil no, games, have you? Resident Evil, you know, Resident Evil as a series is never one I've really been too, not say not fond of. It sounds like I'm down on them, but I've just never never really appealed to me. I, I've got fond memories of Code Veronica from playing the demo. I, I appreciated mm-hmm. at the time how big a franchise it was to, to come to the Dreamcast, much like Tomb Raider in a way. It was, it was a really big get you know, for the console. Mm. Um, yeah. But no, never really never really been too fond of Resident Evil. Um, mm. But I was impressed with Code Veronica from what I played. I'm trying to remember, was it actually a mixture of pre-rendered backgrounds and um, real-time backgrounds? Because I know... No, it was all 3D, as yeah, far as I remember. Yeah. I just thought there yeah. were... I guess some of the rooms were, like, at a set angle. Because I'm sure there was a room or two of yeah. them coming in. It was just framed in, like, top-down kind of that's yeah that's right yeah. yeah so the game did sort of alternate between yeah. having those pre-rendered style camera angles but 
but everything was in real time which was that a first for resident evil at the time it was yeah and i think yeah. that the, the static camera angles was definitely they were kind of harking back to the old ones mm. and they were kind of messing with you a little bit as well because sometimes you'd have a static camera angle and then it would turn into like then the camera would move away from it <laughs> so it's almost like it was messing with your expectations of what a resident yeah. evil game was which is yeah because cool. the game did still the entirety of the game was still fixed cam camera angles right it was all tank controls classic resident yeah. evil style gameplay it was tank. It's I don't just think that all, they... the, all the cameras are fixed. Well, well sorry, you couldn't I, control I, them, but yeah, that's they moved. I suppose that's what I mean. You couldn't control the camera, mm. so it was yeah, it was like you said. It kind of um, it was surprising because you would walk into a room and you you would have the camera angle, and then as mm. you moved through the room, the camera would change, and that felt uh, that was wild for a Resident Evil game at the time. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I remember yeah. being freaked out by the graveyard bit when I first played it. I mean, it was actually a first mm. for the series to actually have like the actual buried dead. And I think yeah, they need to since. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 They've kind of done away with zombies in Resident Evil games yeah. recently. So kind of, uh, yeah, it's a bit sad. They, they, I think they tried a little bit because they're in Resident Evil 6 because me and Steve they have are. been playing through. They are in Resident Evil 6. Um, but they're not like the main focus at all. But even they still sort of melt when you kill them as though they're something other than zombies. Weird yeah. smash of a game yeah. that is. Like, yeah, playing that yesterday, just weird. It's, it's, yeah. I, kind of, I kind of love that game, but yeah, it is terrible. It's, it's good because it's terrible. Yeah, if, yeah. if you go in expecting an amazing game, you are going to be disappointed. But if you yeah. go in knowing that it's a mess... Um, you'll get some enjoyment out of it just because you know it's a mess and you can laugh at how much of a mess it is but it still has some really good aspects to it i there's think part, the, the gunplay is fun there's a part of in that game where you defeat a boss and then apropos of nothing leon gets his phone out and goes hunnigan we need you to fake our deaths yeah <laughs> we uh, just laughed our heads we off were like why there's like no reason for him to say that. He just very impassionate uh, very what? passionately says you need to fake our deaths now no yeah. idea why the story makes so little sense very strange so game. little sense huh. um yeah so it's worth playing if only for laughs basically um but yeah rich um i know you had your list um we probably shouldn't go on for too much longer <laughs> um but <laughs> what's another game on your list that you're really Ooh, passionate i'm about? thinking um i do want to say virtue tennis okay because that's just yeah that's just gaming perfection for me in terms of how funny tuned the controls are mm. how it looks it's and i've said it before it's just like modern day pong how it plays mm. the simplicity of it and just how addictive it is as a result um mm. never a game that i thought you have to be an actual tennis fan to appreciate it i mean both myself and my friend who used to play it with me for hours on end at home never mm. once never once watched tennis never once cared as about it as a sport that game is mm. so addictive and yeah another great arcade port i mean i like that sega actually tried to add some content to it as well with the um it wasn't actually like a story mode but it was like it was like different training and there was challenges and mini games mm. so right. they tried to you know fill it out a bit but the actual game at its core it, yeah, it's still one of the games i'll fire up on my dreamcast today even playing against the computer i mean better in multiplayer mm. absolutely but that game is just so good so good mm -hmm. yeah i really liked that game at the time as well um 
it uh, the thing that i liked about it was you didn't have to have that much precision it rewarded you for having precision mm. but it felt like if you press the button and you're a bit far away from the ball there would be an animation where you would kind of stretch out to just manage to get it and it felt like there were so many of those animations depending on what distance you were from the ball which way you were facing at the time and it, so it felt it it was very approachable in that way and it didn't feel frustrating to play at all. It felt really good and it felt really fluid and the animations were mm. great and it sort of felt like looking at real tennis players at the time as well, which is really cool. Mm. Yeah, it's almost like it's, it made you feel, not saying in a bad way, but it almost made you feel like you were better than what you were. Like, made yeah. you feel really good about yourself. Like, oh, Absolutely. Look, at that, look yeah. at that return. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm hot shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. But no, I just yeah, virtual tennis, fantastic. Even with the melty Tim Henman as well, he looked really weird. But <laughs> give us another one, Rich. Um, another one. I've got also let's have a look. One that doesn't actually really really come up on many people's lists, but you might appreciate this a bit, Andrew. Um, is F one mm. World Grand Prix? See, I was never into F one games no. at the time. I probably might like it now, but go on, tell us all about it. Yeah, I mean, the one that came out on the Dreamcast was based on. It was actually based on the ninety eight season. This is when I think F one games, licensed games, weren't as current as what we get nowadays. There would always be like the mm. year before, or they would come out at the very end of the year. But okay. I loved this series going back to the N sixty four. So when the developer Video Systems brought it to the Dreamcast. I was very excited. I mean, it was. I came away from a long, a, a really healthy diet of the PlayStation games, but this was one of the first yeah. F1 games that had like full podium sequences, fully animated pit stops. It even because yeah. it was based on the previous season as well, it actually had real events from the season. So, say oh, for instance, you're in the Australian Grand Prix, such and such driver retires on lap 12, he'll do it on lap 12. If the weather changes, it will basically, like with Shenmue, it will be based on the weather from mm. that real race. So, yeah, it just, it really created the real good illusion of being part of history, being an actual F1 race. Um, mm. Doesn't, don't feel like it plays as well today as it did back then. The controls feel a bit too snappy and responsive now. I mean, we've mm. been kind of spoiled now with what, you know, games have come since. But yeah. it's it's a very special game to me. I've always been a sucker for licensed F1 games, and this still is probably mm -hmm. one of the best ones of that era that wasn't made nice. by uh, Psygnosis. Pretty, that's pretty cool. And the fact that it was on the Dreamcast is uh, makes it doubly special. Indeed. So, yeah. Um, Steve, um, I, I won't ask you about F1 because I'm pretty sure <laughs> I know that you're not very much of a fan, nah. but is there another game on your list? Uh, of, uh... Soul Calibur. Oh, yeah. yes. Um, yeah, Absolutely. I mean, what where do you start with that game that game is outstanding um mm -hmm. uh, how many hours did we sink into that game just over and over and yeah. over rematch rematch so rematch many. rematch and it, it felt so snappy you could be playing that game again in seconds you could just keep going mm -hmm. and keep going and there was that mode where you pick i don't remember how many like 10 fighters each and then you mm -hmm. fight each other with 10 fighters and you have to try and defeat yeah. the other players 10 fighters with your own 10 fighters mm -hmm. so many hours on that game and it's so good it yeah. looked so good maybe the best looking game i'd ever seen at the time it was better than the arcade version i think they was actually improved visually really yeah uh, really yeah, yeah. i i can yeah. believe it because it was unbelievable that game looked incredible the amount of detail mm. the way their mouths moved when they spoke yeah yes. uh, okay. uh, amazing 
it was a great game, and 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 it stands up now. It does. Like, it does. Out of all the games, like I, you can get it. I think you can get it on Xbox still, uh, the original version, the port of it, and it still looks great, even on the Dreamcast. Even going back to the Dream, it, it just it just stands up so well. And I'm I'm not sure. I think people would argue about this, but I'm not sure any of the subsequent Soul Calibur games have been as good. Um, two, I think, is a is a fan favorite. I think, but I think the first one is just great. Yeah. Like. What it, what, the first, what it offers. The first one feels like the purest version of that gameplay. Yes. Like sub subsequent games have been like as fun to control, but mm. none of them have felt like just a, a a pure stream of fun to be had as the first game did. Sure. Yeah. It's a great game. I mean yeah, um, I, never, I was never really a fighting game fan, but the Soul Calibur is one of two fighting games I've owned in my entire life. So What's the second think, one? I'm curious now. Well, one I actually currently own, that's Mortal Kombat 11. Otherwise, I've not owned any other fighting games. <laughs> kind of like, it, it was extremely approachable because I'm not yeah. a massive fighting game guy either. And not unlike vir- vir- virtual Tennis, it sort of made you feel like you were better than you really mm. were because it was so easy to pull mm. off really impressive looking combos. Particularly if you were cheap and you picked Maxi, the nunchuck guy, you could just hammer the buttons and do incredible things. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was so fun yeah. to play that game. Yeah, speaking of pulling things off um, and fighting games, um, Dead or Alive Two um, yeah. <laughs> was a good game. Um, it was. I mean, it's not up there with Soul Calibur, but it's uh, it, it gets overlooked, I think, because of boob physics. Mm. Um, but as an actual fighting game, it's an actually really solid and a really solid game. Yeah, and does quite a lot. And again, it's really easy to pick up and play, even if you're not a fighting game, a fighting game enthusiast. It's it's really easy to get the hang of. We also spent a very long time playing that game as well. We the did. thing that made that game really fun was the reversal counter system. Mm, yeah. It's really easy to pull off reversals. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just frustrate each other by <laughs> baiting the other one into punching and then just reversing it. Yeah. Um, and the fa- the fights were really fast. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, really, really fluid. Uh, and you could punch each other through the stages, right? That yes. was the one with the sort of tools yeah. where you could punch right. through a wall and then keep going down and down and down. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. really, really fun. A um, little bit uncomfortable sometimes with the with the boob physics. It was a bit weird. Physics, you felt like yeah. you were playing yeah. um, pornography at times, but a <laughs> legitimately good game too. Yeah, it is definitely. It's a legitimately good game, and I think it is a shame that the uh, the boob physics. I mean, at the time, I mean, obviously being a gay man, they did nothing for me. But I think for a lot of people, they did. They did something for them, and I think that that was one of the reasons people bought that game. Yeah. But then they found out that it was actually a great game. See, we we say because of that. we say it's a shame, but that they know what they're doing. And if you look at yeah. the latest iterations, they know they know what they're doing. They know That's what true, game they're. I suppose. Just listen to conversations yeah. online nowadays. Anytime they try and uh, make a woman smaller, it's just an outcry so clearly uh-huh. that's what gamers yeah. want mm. it's, yeah it's, uh, well. it's blind yeah there we go <laughs> um so i mean there's so many games that we could mention and i feel like we should do a second one of these for the dreamcast because <laughs> there's so much to talk about i'm being serious as well oh, we should do on. a second dreamcast <laughs> one because we haven't touched on games like res yeah skies of arcadia grandia 2 um psych adventure 2 uh, there's just a whole bunch of games. Shenmue 2. I mean, we've uh, just so many that we haven't even touched on. Well, so, I, I mean, I'm happy to return if yeah. uh, if that's what we want to decide to do. Definitely. 
I think so. I think we can't. I mean, we could go on for another hour and a half if we wanted to. But I think everybody one one we've all got other things to do, and two I think the listeners would get a little bit bored if we were going on yeah. for three hours. Fair so um, yeah, I think that was pretty good coverage of the Dreamcast. To be honest, for the twentieth anniversary, um, I think the thing to say is it it was and still is a bloody great console. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've not played it, um, possibly people haven't played it really aren't listening to this. But if you haven't you should um and if you can't get a dreamcast there are so many ports of of good dreamcast games out there jet set radio is ported to so many different consoles um so i think it's definitely worthwhile trying out dreamcast games and kind of kind of figuring out for yourself kind of what it meant in this in the grand scheme of the history of video games um and why it's so popular even today um but yeah didn't the uh, dreamcast collection recently go down really cheap on steam like it did silly yeah silly price i can't remember how much i think it quite often does but yeah i think sega put it on sale because of the anniversary again coming up so if you're listening to this on the anniversary go and have a look this i think it's space channel 5 part 2 sega um, bass fishing sega oh, boat nice. another one we should have mentioned um, um yeah. sonic adventure i think was on here so there's there's yeah. a bunch of good games so if you've got a pc that's worth having a look at um, especially for the price it is um but yeah let's do this again mm. We're going to do a bunch of these types of... Um, so we're going to look at different franchises. Uh, we'll look at different consoles. I'm sure at some point we'll look at the N64 in depth. Um, but I think another Dreamcast one at some yeah. point down the line. I think we need this to do because there's just so much to talk about. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is based around the Dreamcast. So a second Dreamcast one, and we'll talk more about the games that we missed this time around. Um, Sounds good. Great. So uh, that's it. I hope that everybody has enjoyed listening to our deep dive into the Dreamcast. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed kind of having a bit of a reminisce uh, about 20 years ago. It's uh, emotional. Emotional. That is a good way to put it. It's been emotional. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope you join us again next time. See you then. See ya. See ya.